Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are with One Soft Solutions, uh, which is a company based in Canada. Uh, you're going to find out much more about it. Uh, my three guests are Dwayne uh, Kushnerek, who is the CEO, uh, Tim Edward, and Brandon Taylor. Welcome to all of you. Thank uh, you, Jordan. Let's start with you, Dwayne. So let's just start with a little bit of your background. We're going to get into the company in great detail, but a little bit of your background and how you kind of formed and had the vision for this company. Okay, uh, Jordan, I, um, uh, my, my history in the computer software business uh, really dates back to 1981 when uh, we bought our first IBM XT um, and WordStar and DBase. And um, uh, I got involved um, in uh, developing software back then. And uh, since then, uh, I've been involved in six major software projects in uh, various fields. Two of them have uh, influenced the OneSoft, OneBridge uh, development that we have uh, going on today. So in essence, uh, our MO to date has been to um, uh, operate as an incubator of uh, software companies. So uh, by that, I mean we take ideas at the idea stage, uh, we put in the initial funding, we build the teams, and uh, we build the businesses, put some uh, structure around them, and uh, generally then uh, uh, hand them off to other parties who have capacity and uh, ability uh, to uh, take the companies to the next level. Okay. So, Go ahead. Uh, so the, the, the two companies uh, that, that really um, uh, form a background for what we're doing today, uh, one of them... Uh, was a company called Base uh, Baseline Technologies, and it actually is a company that Tim and I formed. It was a privately held company uh, that we formed in uh, 1997, and uh, at that time, Tim had developed some revolutionary uh, methodology to locate anomalies on underground pipelines. Uh, anomalies, by, by anomalies, I mean uh, areas of corrosion and areas of interest uh, that could eventually uh, cause failure of the pipe. And um, so Tim developed this idea to, to be able to locate the exact position of these anomalies above ground using a handheld GPS. And uh, our system was... Uh, uh, was um, uh, very successful. It was actually able to uh, detect these anomalies above ground with submeter accuracy about 95% of the time. So what this meant to the industry was th this type of precision changed how excavations uh, could be done. So instead of having to, uh, the, these companies having to pull in heavy equipment to trench large tracts of land to find these anomalies, they could now use hydrovac excavation uh, uh, processes. So essentially they could drop a cage on top of the anomaly because the, the accuracy was uh, uh, was sufficiently good. So they, they could drop a cage on top of the anomaly and excavate with high pressure water and uh, uh, vacuum up the sludge. So this represented a much faster, safer, less expensive uh, alternative. 
And uh, that company uh, was was a very interesting company for us and very successful. We actually had uh, one customer when we sold the company uh, 16 months later, uh, and we actually sold to a manufacturer of those uh, Hydrovac trucks. And um, uh, it, it was exciting from an investment perspective. Uh, the uh, three partners who started that business invested uh, about $30,000 up front, and uh, we exited uh, some 16 months later for about uh, $7.6 million. Uh-huh. Uh, and what was exciting for us at that time was, you know, our revenues were still sub a million dollars. So, um, you know, we were able to exit at about a 15x uh, revenue multiple. So that that was um uh you know, that, that was a history that we had in the uh, oil and gas pipeline industry and uh so after we sold the company uh tim continued to work in the industry and i continued to pursue software startups uh in uh, using uh, microcap uh, public companies uh, to fund them and in 2001, I formed a payroll HR company and uh, did an RTO, uh, took our company public on the Toronto Venture Exchange. In uh, 2004, we acquired uh, an operation based in Lakewood, Colorado called Serenic Software. And uh, that was really the start of um, our very close working relationship with Microsoft, who helped us in our last company. They helped us uh, uh, market our products internationally. And uh, that's where, of course, uh, Brandon uh, was uh, a part of that company. Uh, He was an owner and the CTO of that company. So uh, our association with Brandon goes back to then. Uh, Brandon then spent time working with Microsoft. Uh, I think he'll talk about that a little later. But uh, um, we were very early adopters and believers in the Microsoft cloud platform and uh, uh, technology. And we started to invest uh, in Microsoft Cloud in 2011. If we fast forward three years uh, to mid-2014, we decided to sell our legacy business, our legacy Serenic business. And by legacy, I mean software that had been developed for uh, desktop computing as opposed to cloud computing. Mm-hmm. We, d- we distributed most of the gain uh, on that sale to our shareholders who received a one-time dividend at uh, a little better than uh, twice the share price at the time the deal was negotiated. But what this did was really allowed us to reorganize the company to pursue blou- uh, born-in-the-cloud opportunities. So in uh, 2015, after we sold our legacy business, um, I, I recognized that we had a unique set of components. Number one, we were very early adopters and we had a jump start on cloud IP. We had, uh, secondly, we had Brandon and his team and a very strong working relationship with Microsoft. And uh, uh, thirdly, uh, we had Tim and his vision for the next generation software for the pipeline industry. So that's really uh, what we combined back in 2015 to form OneBridge Solutions, uh, which is our operating company and uh, our wholly owned subsidiary. So if we uh, then move in, in late 2015, 
Uh, Microsoft went on the hunt uh, worldwide for companies that they thought uh, had um, opportunity to create disruptive new applications uh, based on cloud technology. And um, they, at that time, in late 2015, there were, I, I believe, 721 companies from 50 countries who applied. And 11 companies were ultimately selected and nine participated through the conclusion of this uh, first accelerator program for machine learning and big data. And um, uh, OneBridge was the only company that was selected by Microsoft uh, for the oil and gas pipeline industry. And uh, in 2016, uh, for the first half of the year, Brandon and Tim uh, lived in Seattle uh, and that which gave them access to the Microsoft product teams. We were able to develop the concepts and version one of our new OneBridge SIM solution. The second half of last year, uh, we then involved a couple of private preview customers who became early adopters of our software and provided the input and the feedback uh, that we used to evolve SIM uh, to the product it is today. So SIM uh, was... Uh, our uh, commercial solution was released to market just a few months ago in January. And uh, that, uh, I guess, brings us uh, uh, up to date. All right, we're going to get into more details, but Tim, let's just tell a little bit. What is the advantage of working with Microsoft in, in offering this particular product? Well, what makes uh, the OneBridge and Microsoft relationship work so well, uh, in addition to sharing the same cultures and values, is the, uh, the truly com complementary nature of our offerings. So as an example, uh, Microsoft gets us to CEOs and CTOs, and uh, that's a key area for us uh, to get together. And working with Microsoft's EPG group, uh, we build <clears throat> our relationships around three primary offerings. We're leveraging the Microsoft Cloud, providing better experiences for CXOs of our customers. It's cloud compliance, data analytics, and business solutions with Power BI. It's okay. the ability to take the tremendous amounts of data that the industry has collected over the last decades and do something truly insightful with it. You know, the cloud is becoming more critical every single day to pipeline operators. And Brandon, just talk a little bit about the market. For uh, What is the solution that you're bringing here with the latest version of uh, what OneSoft Solutions is offering that has not been offered before? Okay. Yeah, so there's roughly 2.8 million miles of pipeline in the U.S. Um, so we've decided to focus on that area, as Dwayne mentioned, in our private preview customers. Um, we, when we were at the Microsoft Accelerator, we did a lot of custom interviews and, and basically tried to vet down what we would call in the software world a minimally viable product. Right. So as we defined that design structure through all these custom interviews and et cetera, we determined that... Um, it's probably not known to most people, but DOT regulates under FIMSA, under, FIMSA is under DOT, but they regulate the pipeline operators must run a device called a PIG, right? It's basically a sensor that has a whole bunch and there's different technologies that they push down there. It's a really expensive proposition to push that device down the pipe. So if you have oil running down, crude running down your pipeline, it pushes the sensor down and it gathers a bunch of data. And they're required to do that in oil every five years and then gas every seven. So what we've come up with is basically using machine Microsoft machine learning is that as that sensor data comes back to the pipeline operator and, and it finds a bunch of 
what we would call anomalies or corrosion on the pipeline at you know a thousand feet down the pipe with 15 degree orientation. Well, five years later, they run another device down it. And this time, because the odometer wheels get off and it rocks as it goes down the pipe, it might say might be a thousand and one feet at 25 degrees orientation. Our algorithms basically take that and align those anomalies. And by being able to do that on volume and on scale, we can determine how much that corrosion or those anomalies have grown over that five-year period across the entire pipeline system of the operator. And that's foundational, kind of a starting point um, from a machine learning perspective, because really, ultimately, then, once we've determined where there's corrosion, how much is growing, we can then expand the machine learning algorithms, which is what we're looking at now, to look for patterns across that system. So now that we know where the anomalies are growing, we can determine if there's different aspects of, of threats that are happening within the pipeline systems. So specifically, let's say that there's coating that they wrap around the pipe. Well, what they'll end up doing is it'll, it'll ultimately, over time, there may be what they call tape bagging around that pipe. So corrosion may be growing and then in a specific pattern that we can use machine learning to identify and then looking across the entire operator system. Very so, good. In, yep. We've got to take a break, actually. So uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, we're speaking today uh, about OneSoft Solutions. Um, our th- my three guests are Dwayne uh, uh, Kush- Kushnerek, uh, Tim Edward, and Brandon Taylor. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. Uh, we're speaking today about OneSoft Solutions Incorporated, 
And we have the three top people from that company, uh, Dwayne Kushniak, uh, Tim Edward, and Brandon Taylor. Welcome back to all of you. Thank you. So, Dwayne, let's just talk a little bit about the, the stock uh, history so far. We're gonna, we'll get more into what the company does. But uh, when was the stock uh, gone public? How does it trade in both Toronto and the um, American exchanges? And what's been the, the price history so far? Well, the... Um when we sold our uh, company in um, 2014, the legacy software company, we uh, took most of the gain and distributed that back to shareholders. Uh, we retained all of our cloud IP and our cloud uh, development team. And uh, really, we were a startup again as a, as a public company. The public structure itself, uh, OneSoft began trading in 1997. And it's been, it, you know, it's evolved through several software businesses since then. But uh, back in um, mid-2014, our uh, share price was uh, a nickel a share. Uh, we had about 15 million shares outstanding, so we had a market cap of about $750,000. And since then, um, as we've continued to evolve the business from the uh, visionary stage to where it is today, uh, we've done uh, three financings, um, and uh, those were done, the, the first one was, was done at a nickel, the second one was done at seven and a half cents, and uh, the third one uh, was done at the 20 cent level. So we're now sitting with about a $24 million market cap. So it's been um, an exciting, um, uh, we've seen some exciting progress in the last couple of years uh, for us. Uh, we're, we're sitting here with uh, about 84 million shares outstanding. Uh, today, we have no debt. Uh, we've got um, you know, cash of about $1.5 million in the bank. And one of the things that's, um, uh, that's exciting uh, uh, from our perspective is our senior management team owns about uh, just a little over 40% of the company. So, uh, you know, we're not only investing shareholders' money, we're investing our own money mm -hmm. uh, in, in this project. And where does the stock trade now? And what are the symbols on the Canadian and American exchanges if people wanted to get into it? Uh, on the Toronto Venture Exchange, the symbol is OSS, Oscar Sierra Sierra. And uh, we recently applied and got approved to uh, to trade our stock on uh, the um, uh, OTCQB board, uh, trades under the symbol OSSIF. And roughly, what is it trading for in those two exchanges today, roughly? Uh, it's at the 28 cent level Canadian. Um, so that'll be about 20 cents, 22 cents US. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, it's obviously a speculative thing, but give me a sense of your long-term future here from what your revenues are now and what they might be in maybe five years or 10 years, just to kind of give a, a, a vision of where it might be going over the next few years. Well, we're... Um, um, we're, we're 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 very careful about uh, uh, forward-looking information, but what we have done is um, in our most recent MDNA uh, for the fiscal year ended February 28th, uh, 2017, and uh, these reports are available both on the TSXV or on uh, the CDAR site and also the OTC site. We um, 
we're we're at the point now where we're just evolving the company from a uh, R&D pre-revenue stage uh, to revenue generating. And that uh, our our revenue really began uh, early in 2017. Uh, for last fiscal year, we had uh, about 570,000 of revenue uh, that came in uh, as part of the private preview programs and uh, some of the other things we were doing. And uh, our budget objectives for this next fiscal year um, are uh, what we're budgeting, what management is budgeting is uh, a, a little over $3 million in revenue. And... Um, uh, for us, it all boils down to uh, to the miles of pipe that we have contracted on our SaaS business model, our software as a service. The way we charge uh, for our product is uh, based on a per mile per month. Uh, so our um, objective is to uh, be invoicing 50,000 miles of pipe by the end of this next fiscal year, which ends uh, March, uh, correction, February 28th of 2018. And if we uh, achieve that objective, the revenue will be pushing about 4.8 million on an annualized basis at that point. So for us, it's all about uh, now that the product is is ready um, and out there. It's a, it's all about uh, um, contracting more pipe on a monthly basis. So Tim, to explain the the business model for a, a pipeline operator. Why is it cheaper and better to do it this way than the way they've been doing it with the pig that you described? Tim, are you there? Yes, I am. Sorry. Uh, historically, pipeline operating companies have uh, used ILI data or PIG data uh, and managed it through Microsoft Excel applications. Uh, this is a tremendously labor-intensive process, and on average, they look at about 1% of the data collected. So they're in a response uh, or a, uh, a reactionary, reactionary of looking at this data compared to what we do. We're looking at all of the data, analyzing every bit of data that comes from the ILI tool. So we get a much deeper picture of what's happening on the pipeline. Furthermore, that process is very, very fast. Uh, so our our culture, uh, in terms of dealing with this data, we're, we're a sort of a culture of disruptive innovation. I think the public uh, really doesn't associate innovation with infrastructure management. However, we are on a very aggressive and disruptive path in the oil and gas asset management industry. So using machine learning allows us to do a lot more with that data. Okay. And, and Brandon, uh, what are, if, if there's some good idea, other people are going to want to get into it. What are the, some of the competitive threats uh, to the company uh, offering something similar to what you're offering now? So we, we continuously monitor that. Um, one of the things that we got from the Microsoft Accelerator, we believe, is you know a jump start on that, and as a software as a solution, um, you know that model in general from all competitors is you know just keep ahead, right? So we monitor that. Uh, we've ramped up um, in our last funding round. We've ramped up our data science team. Um, so we have six data scientists on staff now from very qualified. And we're getting ready. We just did our sprint two exercise. So um, up to this point, um, we haven't actually seen where people are actually using cloud and then more importantly, machine learning to try to do this pattern recognition um, on pipelines. 
Um, but you're right. We anticipate that that will happen. So our objective is we follow the lean startup model from a software development methodology perspective, as well as just, you know, the normal, you know, keep ahead kind of a model from a SaaS perspective is our objective here as we get more and more customers. The one thing that's kind of unique uh, within cloud is we do this as we learn and evolve from one customer, we can update our algorithms. Um, we do, you know, weekly cadence releases on our solution. So as we update that, all of the things we learn from one customer automatically apply to all the other customers. So we're already seeing and getting inquiries from a community, what they call joint industry um, development programs, where these are Fortune 500 companies that we're working with. Um, and they're looking to, you know, help evolve without sharing their data, but help evolve these algorithms across from an industry perspective. So, Dwayne, just kind of explain a little bit how it works. You've got these sensors out there with all the pipes. You're hoping to be 50,000 miles of pipe. Uh, the data is coming into your center or it's coming into the pipelines operation center and a warning light goes off saying there's a leak here. Kind of explain a little bit about how it actually works when there's some kind of a discrepancy that's found. Uh, I'll, I'll turn this over to Tim, okay. uh, if you don't mind, Jordan. Sure. Okay. Uh, so essentially what happens is the pipeline operator uh, contacts a vendor of one of the 40-plus uh, uh, tool manufacturers or pig manufacturers out there. They would contract the services of that uh, agency. The pig run would be completed, and uh, then the tool would be returned to the vendor. Uh, the vendor then analyzes the information collected by the sensor array and provides a report back to the pipeline operator. And this is where, this is our sweet spot. So when that report gets back to the pipeline operator, the pipeline operator then has to compare that to history uh, on that pipe, uh, compared as Brandon alluded to before, run over run to look for deviations in the data collected. Uh, those deviations typically uh, would be represented in, in the length, width, and depth of corrosion that was observed. Uh, and then the pipeline operator would manage that through uh, what's called a dig program, where we would, he would go out and target specific uh, uh, locations for excavation, excavate the pipe, expose the pipeline, and then enact a repair. So in essence, what we're doing is we're focusing on that area of uh, machine learning that specifically looks at the difference between multiple inline inspection data sets and harvesting the information from that. Dwayne, how big a problem is uh, our uh, pipeline leaks? I mean, what is the size of the problem here that are not being detected and, and cause a big mess? Well, it, it, it is a big problem. Uh, PHMSA, uh, the regulator for uh, hazardous pipelines in the U.S., uh, reports that over the past 20 years, um, there were some um, uh, 56 or 5,700 failures in oil and gas pipelines. So, you know, that averages about 300 per year. Um, and um, the average cost per incident is well over a million dollars. So th this is a serious problem for the industry. So to the extent that we can uh, provide these operators tools to uh, to uh, eliminate or reduce uh, uh, pipeline failures, uh, this makes a lot of sense. The uh, in 2016 alone, there were uh, 298 uh, pipeline failures in the U.S. that were recorded. And, uh, 
you know, along with that, there are fatalities at times, there are injuries and uh, damage to the environment and so on. So this is, um, uh, th- this is ver- very much a, um, you know, today's problem that we can help uh, to solve. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are with OneSoft Solutions. We have the CEO, Dwayne uh, Kushnerek, uh, Tim Edward, and Brandon Taylor. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are with OneSoft Solutions, uh, which is a company helping people, helping pipeline operators uh, avoid leaks and get them before there's some kind of a problem there. Uh, my guests are the CEO, Dwayne Kushnerek, uh, Tim Edward, and Brandon Taylor, also from the company. Welcome back to all of you. So uh, the, the main thing that you have, and maybe Tim is the right one for this, is what's called Cognitive Integra- Integrity Management, the SIM solution. Just explain what that term means and how is that so unique to what OneSoft Solutions offers. Well, thanks, Jordan. The uh, cognitive integrity management is a uh, is a machine learning based application that's a, a SaaS solution. And uh, what we do in in the Sim solution is we use machine learning to develop pattern recognition and observe the delta in data over time. So it's a both a temporal and a spatially managed application. And uh, the pipeline operators uh, would use that technology to uh, review their data and keep current on the condition of their pipeline using what we call state-of-the-art. So with each consecutive inline inspection run or tool run, the pipeline operator develops a deeper and broader understanding of what's happening on his pipeline. And he's using that based on the Microsoft Cloud technology, the what's called the Azure Stack, and uh, applications that are Microsoft, such as Power BI. So uh, it, it's a it, it's a very fast system that uh, gives a uh, a really good illustration. And, and in fact, it's a uh, um, a world leading. Uh, example of illustrations of data, we actually throw up a 3D pipeline uh, image that the the operator can uh, sort of get a uh, sneak peek of what he's going to find when he exposes the pipe to do the repair. Brandon, you don't think of the pipeline industry as the kind of most 
technologically advanced. Is there resistance to something that's so new like this that's on the cloud? I mean, this is, doesn't sound like the way most pipeline operators are used to working. Is this a hard sell to kind of get them uh, to, to make such a major change? Well, three years ago, the answer unequivocally to that would have been yes. Um, you know, when we first came out of the accelerator, Tim and I put together a slide that showed kind of uh, Internet of Things kind of adoption, and the pipeline operators were at the bottom of that curve. Um, but just even since we've been in the business, and it's one of the things we'll talk, I'll talk about specifically related to Microsoft and why when we went to Accelerator, one of the, our ask for them was, and the most thing, the number one thing that, why there's some hesitation to cloud adoption is security. So when we go to Microsoft, you know, they bring teams of people to show them the data center. They'll actually take the operator to a physical data center so they can see how it's managed, the security related to that, which, out of all of the technology that's sitting there is so much more secure than an on-premise, you know, managed site because, you know, they have all of these, you know, HIPAA, uh, SOC 7, all these certifications that stay on currently. We're seeing a general trend of changing that. In fact, one of our pilot previews is replacing 7,000 servers and moving 100% of the stuff to the cloud. So that change has started to happen. Um, they've acknowledged the fact that you know the cloud is the future, and you know that's that's where they're moving. So we see less and less of that from an adoption perspective. Um, as obviously, as you go through any evolutionary cycle like that, there's going to be earlier adopters, and then people in the middle, and then there always be the laggards. So we see that happening with industry now. So. That's really been the only um, objective thing is the security related to where do I store my data and stuff. And Microsoft goes into all of our meetings with us and they basically take them through a technical architectural design on why this is safer than what's on their on-premise. Yes. Duane, talk a little bit about the environmental regulations involved here. Have there been some new regulations uh, after all these spills? that make it imperative that pipeline companies install this kind of thing, both in the U.S. and Canada? Actually, Tim just came back from a seminar last week uh, about that, Tim. You can bring us right up to date. Okay. Well, there's uh, there's a number of uh, factors that are at play here. Uh, Essentially, the, um, uh, the industry is... Um, uh, is, is pushing towards... Um, uh, toward um, much more um, investigation and analysis of the data that they have on hand. And uh, this is something that's being being done by the industry leaders and also uh, the regulators. Uh, so this is part of an overall program uh, that we call SMS or safety management system, compliance analytics. Uh, and there, there are new rules that are coming into play um, uh, on a very regular basis regarding this. The bottom line is these companies, uh, for everybody's benefit, are, uh, uh, are uh, expanding um, the use of the data that they've been collecting for years to, uh, you know, to, to help to prevent problems in the future. Okay. Brandon, I just want to talk, Brandon, about the future. Now, right now, it's, it's, you're all doing this for pipelines. What are some of the other uses, potentially, even other industries for the same technology you've come up with here that you could be monitoring something and see if there are problems? What other applications are in the future here? 
Yeah, so foundationally, um, even when we were all the way back in the idea stage, and then as we started evolving the models and specifically building our algorithms, um, we've had multiple um, organizations come to us and say, what about sewer lines, as an example? And we said, sure, anything that they can push a device down and they're capturing sensors and it's a metal pipe, we're, we're able to use our algorithms to do that. Um, so water lines throughout the United States, sewer lines, um, you know, when you think pipelines, you're thinking they're only pushing gas and oil. The actual mining uses the um, pipelines to push product. Um, railroads, so the, the same sensors that they use on tracks of railways, the same kind of algorithms to determine when and how to repair railroad tracks. So there's a bunch of infrastructure. So as we started evolving that, kind of our um, marketing is headed towards kind of a smart infrastructure play. Um, we wanted to do this in lockstep strategically, you know, get our, our core algorithm foundationally in place, get the model from an application perspective in place so we can just do this strategically as we launch and make sure we do this in the right order. Duane, there's a lot of talk about infrastructure spending, both in the U.S. and Canada, that this is a major new push uh, would this kind of play into all that, that making the existing infrastructure uh, more efficient and, and avoid these problems? How does this kind of play off the whole push for infrastructure spending? Well, there's, um, you know, it's getting very difficult to build new pipelines today. Uh, you know, the public sentiment is uh, seems to be against that. And uh, there is no alternative, um, you know, the, other than uh, maintaining and improving the, uh, the existing infrastructure. So anything, uh, any processes uh, like we provide that can help to preserve uh, or uh, extend the, the lifespan of these assets uh, is, is something that makes sense today. So, uh, you know, we happen to be in a, um, um, in a very good business at the right time. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's important that these issues get, get addressed today. And uh, that's, that's what we're doing. And is this a global, uh, could this be around the world as well once you've proven it in North America? Uh, very much so. We've elected to uh, uh, focus on the U.S. market initially, but, uh, you know, the same problems exist uh, uh, around the world. Uh, the U.S. represents a little over 60% of the world market, uh, near as we can determine from the research that we've done. But this is a problem that, um, you know, that, that exists everywhere in Canada and Mexico and uh, uh, Europe and Asia. And so on. And in fact, uh, um, uh, Microsoft um, recently um, uh, helped us uh, get in front of um, a pipeline operator in Africa, um, you know, who has some of these issues. So, you know, that's, that's a, uh, a situation that we're currently reviewing. So very much a worldwide problem. When um, a new pipeline is put in, I mean, people think of the Excel uh, Keystone Pipeline is a big new pipeline. Are there things that you do to put it in that pipeline in the first place as opposed to having to do it after the pipeline's already in? Well, with new pipeline construction, what makes sense is to really create a baseline of data um, because everything is known on day one. So we're able to take that baseline uh, data set and that becomes the data set w to which everything uh, hereafter is measured 
uh, against. So it makes a lot of sense, uh, uh, you know, to start uh, right at the beginning. In most cases, um, for the um, nearly three million miles of pipe uh, that are in the ground today in uh, in the United States. Uh, we have not had the benefit of that baseline, but there's obviously an advantage to having that. So what is it? You're, you're putting sensors on the pipe as it goes in as new pipe that you're not doing otherwise? I'm not sure exactly what you're doing with new pipe compared to existing pipe. No, we don't have anything to do with sensors. We deal with data. Uh, the new pipe have uh, new pipes have sensors, so we simply collect and analyze the data that these sensors, um, uh, whether they're installed on the pipe themselves or whether they're the uh, uh, the ILI or the inline inspection tools uh, that travel down the pipe to collect data. We we have nothing to do with hardware. Uh, we're all about uh, data uh, data management. Okay, very good. Okay, so uh, I think we're going to take a break now. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. Uh, if you want to find out more about their company, by the way, their website is onebridgesolutions.com, uh, which is kind of the overall company. Uh, and then OneSoft is the OneSoft is all company. The specific uh, division that we're talking about is called OneBridge with their cognitive integrity management system, the SIM solution. So, again, to find out more, you go to their website at onebridgesolutions.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. Uh, this week, we're speaking about OneSoft Solutions, which is a company that helps pipeline operators avoid spills and kind of see them before spills happen. Uh, my guests this hour are the CEO of the company, Dwayne uh, Kushniak, uh, Tim Edward, and Brandon Taylor. Welcome back to all of you. Thank you. Uh, Dwayne, tell us a little bit about what you're doing to get the word out about this to investors to kind of get more visibility for the stock. Well, we have been um, um, kind of quiet to date. Um, when we started this project in 2015, uh, we, we had a lot we had a lot of work to do to ensure that this new concept would work. Uh, you know, c could we actually get our machine uh, learning algorithms to work in the way we had intended? So um, uh, the we basically stayed under the radar uh, up until. 
uh, early this year uh, when we released the product. And uh, what we're now doing is um, I'm starting to uh, spend a lot of time on the road uh, to tell our story. Uh, I've... um, uh, since, since January of this year, I've attended a, an investor conference, a microcap investor conference in uh, uh, New York City. Uh, I have one uh, uh, coming up next week in Toronto. And I've also made, um, interestingly, we've had a lot of interest from Europe. And in the, in the last uh, two months or two and a half months, I've uh, made now two trips into Europe. Uh, I've gone to meet with uh, investor groups in um, uh, in Zurich and Geneva and Luxembourg. And, uh, you know, they're very interested, um, particularly because, um, uh, you know, a lot of their groups are interested in green type investments. And, um, you know, we are, uh, wh- what we do uh, uh, certainly can qualify as that. Uh, if we can prevent pipeline failures, um, if our software helps to do that, uh, you know, that that serves well for some of the investors. So we're getting the word out. We're uh, we're getting a lot of interest and a lot of calls, but we're still at the very early stage of this. Are the brokerage firms starting to cover it and uh, mutual funds? I mean, what kind of uh, pickup are you having in the investor community? Uh, we're just at the early stages of that. Uh, my, my hope is to get uh, coverage here by some of the analysts in uh, on Bay Street uh, in Toronto, um, you know, in the next few months. I think we're far enough along. Uh, I, I've been uh, talking to, um, uh, to these people since May of last year. And uh, essentially, everybody has, has wanted to wait until our product was out and until we could demonstrate some traction uh, with customers and, and actually start generating revenue for our idea. So, um, you know, we're at the early stage of that, and uh, uh, we're hopeful that that's going to um, uh, continue to build for us. Brandon, what kind of a uh, pickup do you expect? If, say you get the 50,000 miles this year, what kind of a ramping up? Is possible for this if it's if it really does work. Well, we we went into this. One of our design principles was to basically take the consumer approach, even though we're doing a B two B positioning from a marketing perspective. And we wanted to make it so simple from an operator perspective that they would get that file from the um, tool vendor that sends the pig down, just drop it onto the site, and automatically just have it ingest it, run the algorithms, and then give them some business intelligence. And the reason that we picked the $5 per mile per month is, as you can anticipate, there's, you know, roughly about 2,800 operators just in the U.S. So some operators may own 100 miles, and that 100 miles might be downtown L.A., right? So highly sensitive with the high, high consequence areas. So if they have a leak, it's going to be a significant event where other ones might have 80,000. So we wanted to be able to get the whole spectrum, and we wanted this to be self-service, meaning that... Uh, we first and foremost view ourselves as a software company. We have no professional services unit, nor do we really have any plans to build one because our intent was if we had to do that, we built and designed the software incorrectly. We want operators to be able just to sign up, um, onboard users, and start loading their miles of pipe. And so that's happening now with our private preview customers. One of them is actually just moving into production. So they'll take 15,000 miles of pipe and start. They've got 10 on, and within the next month, they'll load all of theirs. So they'll have 15,000 miles, and they'll actually be able to have you know multiple users in their organization. And these are Fortune 500 companies typically. 
And kind of the beauty about working with Microsoft from an onboarding perspective is a lot of these clients have what they call enterprise agreements, EA agreements. So this is where they run their Office 365 and their Windows and all of that across, you know, 14,000 employees. Microsoft's cloud, which is Azure, is just typically part of that enterprise agreement. So we have um, in Houston, Microsoft's a Microsoft technology center that's exclusively focused on oil and gas. And we, you know, Tim and I will go there and we'll do sessions, um, bring in the operators and take them through this. Our intent is, is that once we get through a um, couple more renditions of the product, as clients will just sign up and start onboarding. And, and there's really no limit from scalability perspective. And to your point earlier about this being a global perspective, Microsoft has 35 set data centers around the world. So when we decide that it's time for us to do international, we'll pick a data center in East Europe as an example, and we'll just move our solution there, and it'll just be operational. It'll take us like two days to do that. So that's kind of the beauty of having um, an enterprise-grade cloud play around the world. When you say onboarding uh, miles, it's data that you're getting. You're not the sensors are already out there. You're you're adding miles by getting more data from the pipeline operators. Is that right? Yeah, correct. When they run these devices down, you know, they'll pick a start and an end. You know, they might, let's say they had 15,000 miles of pipe um, spread out through segments. They'll actually just take the device and run it through maybe 100 miles of the pipe. And then, you know, the next year, because they can't do it all in one year, right? So they just spread this over time. And they actually, for that, what they would call, you know, start and end position, that segment of pipe, they, next five years, they'd run it for that same segment. And, and just remember, they've had this data, you know, since they've installed the pipe, right? They've been running these pigs and these devices down in, in different technologies. So, you know, we'll pull data off the shelf from one client had, you know, data from 1986. So we've loaded all of their data from historical onward. So, yes, it's the data related to the sensors that they've sent down the pig or down the pipe that we're aggregating through history. Tim, describe the relationship with Microsoft a little bit more. Are you a vendor of them? Are they a partner? Kind of how does it actually work with you and Microsoft? Because clearly they're introducing you to a lot of their customers, so they're bringing a lot of value here. That, that's exactly correct. Um, Microsoft is a, uh, is a platform uh, selling operation, and they perceive us as being a vertical into the oil and gas and are approaching their client base in the oil and gas, representing us as that. So... Microsoft is looking for uh, OneBridge to consume Azure uh, services and generate revenue for Microsoft from that perspective. So as part of the accelerator program that we went through, once we graduated that, we were uh, deemed to be a Microsoft alumni company. And that means that we have access to the account executives and the account salespeople for Microsoft worldwide. So they represent in the oil and gas, they'll go out worldwide and uh, and solicit these companies to uh, take a look at our services uh, and our SaaS solution. So they like act as your sales force in a certain way. They, yes, that's exactly correct. So we work together and Microsoft will, Microsoft has, as Brandon has pointed out, Microsoft has relationships with most of these companies. So Microsoft can get us in front of CEOs and CTOs uh, and that's really, uh, really exciting for us. I mean, we've had a long relationship with Microsoft, but I think <clears throat> if you look at uh, you know what, what we're doing and what Microsoft is doing together, uh, we're taking that legacy relationship that we have with Microsoft to a whole new level. And it's, it's really tremendously exciting now that it's in the cloud. Dwayne, for people who are listening, they're kind of potentially investors in this. What should be the kind of, without numbers, the kind of 
long-term expectation they should have for this? And what kind of investor is appropriate investing in an early-stage company like this? Well, the um, uh, SaaS software companies are generally valued higher than uh, legacy um, or uh, desktop uh, computing companies are. If um, One of the studies uh, that... Um, uh, that we've seen recently uh, was done by a broker based in Toronto. And what they did was plotted on a graph um, the uh, market caps of uh, various SaaS companies. There were 35 or 40 of these SaaS companies that were plotted. And what that graph showed us is, is that on the low end, SaaS companies were valued at uh, two times trailing revenues, the trailing 12-month revenues. Uh, on the high end, uh, the outlier was um, uh, valued at about 22 or 23 times revenue. So uh, we believe that what, you know, our, our expectation is that uh, once we get traction and uh, get things uh, happening and, and become uh, better known in the industry, um, you know, the... Um, the valuation should certainly be uh, in the 10 to 15x range based on revenue. And uh, from here on in, it, it all depends on, um, you know, how quickly can we build uh, our revenue? And that's really our focus. We, uh, I should mention that we have uh, various other products that are on the drawing board uh, that'll follow up on SIM or, and work with SIM in the future. But our focus today is to get SIM to market and to get some market penetration and get some revenue uh, flowing with SIM. Again, and, SIM uh, stands for Cognitive Integrity, Integrity. Management Solutions. Yes, yes. yes. Very good. So, so that's really our first revenue generating product, and um, and and there are more to come. Um, you know, if we're successful in um, uh, in in meeting our future objectives uh, with respect to development, uh, and and uh, this is the SaaS model is very well suited to uh, an economic consumption model. You know, as we add new functionality, we can now go back uh, for those customers who require that new functionality instead of paying us $5 a mile. If they use this piece, uh, that maybe they'll pay us $6 or $7 or $8 yes, a mile and so on. Yes, so, you know, once we've got the customer lined up and the customer on board, um, it, it's a very attractive business model. Very so. Good. Uh, but unfortunately, we, we have to end the show. Unfortunately, Dwayne, sorry, <laughs> but uh, we've had our uh, this. this uh, we've enjoyed very much hearing from uh, Dwayne Kushnerak uh, and uh, Tim Edward and Brandon Taylor of One Soft Solutions. Again, you can find out more about everything we've been talking at OneBridgeSolutions.com. Thanks for all of you being on the Money Answer Show. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks. Thank you all, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.